Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, it is good to be here with all of you all. If you're a father, I welcome you. Those online, fathers at home, I welcome you. Those who are tending to smoked meat today, bless you and your holy sacrifice unto your stomachs. Give God praise. No. So it's good to be here with you today. As a father, um, I always enjoy preaching on Father's Day. Just something where I can pour into the dads in this church, the men in this church. And I pray that what God's given me today will be uplifting, challenging, inspiring, and will cause us to walk as God desires us to walk, right? Listen, when it comes to dads, for many, this person, this father in your life, he's the one that you think of, even today, when you have a question, you know? Maybe some of your dads have passed on, and man, your heart's like, oh, I wish I could just ask, ah, and dad's gone, and today's a hard day for you. I get that. For others, when you think about dad, yeah, he's the one that has the answers. He's the one that you lean into. He's the one that you find some support in. Even as an adult, you'll find yourself going back to dad for some of you in this room. For some in this room, he's the person that ran alongside of you as you were trying to get momentum on that bike. And finally, you're pedaling yourself under your own power as dad cheered you on, you know. That's who dad was for you. There's ladies here that dad was the one that put the fear of God in every boy you ever dated. But somehow, being so fierce and fearful, he still treated you like you were his little princess, you know. That's who dad was to you. For some of you in the room, dad was the one that taught you how to bait a hook. How many of your dad taught you how to bait a hook? Yeah, yeah. My dad taught me how to bait a hook. Maybe your dad was the one that taught you how to change brakes in your car. Anybody how to turn a wrench? Not my dad. I love my dad. My dad was a businessman. He he was always, you know, I'm going to pay somebody to do that. It takes me too much money to do that myself. But my neighbor man, and I never have honored Jeff Zellner publicly. And so, Jeff, I don't know if you'll ever watch this or not, but I honor you. He was the godfather of our neighborhood. And although he wasn't my dad, man, Jeff was the man that all us kids, we learned how to change our brakes because of Jeff, how to change our oil because of Jeff. I think I changed, I know I changed my first, you know, um, um, water pump and and alternator, all that kind of stuff because of that man. He, in a sense, he was a dad to the boys in the neighborhood. And so maybe you don't even have your own children and you're a dad here today, but you've been a father to people because you poured into their life skills and such. You know, maybe your dad was the one that taught you how to spit off a bridge a really, really good loogie. I can literally remember Pleasant Hill Dam, my dad going, okay, son, don't do this in front of mama. I'm teaching me how to work one up, you know. We won't, in the first service, I had the guys do it, and the lady's like, oh, no, don't do it. So we won't do that unless you want to. No, we won't do it. <coughs> Called by lots of things, dad, daddy, daddy-o, father, Paul, padre, papa, and my favorite, my kids call me, now that they're adults, they call me Pop or Pops. And so I call my dad Pop as well. So there are many different names to call the man who raised you. Yet no matter what that term of endearment is, when it comes to the third Sunday of every June, we reserve that time to honor fathers. And it's an honor today to speak to you all. And what I want to do today is I want just the men, not just fathers, but the men of the church, I want you to stand up. I'm going to read a scripture we're going to look at the Word of God as pertaining to you, as God spoke through the person of Paul to the church in Corinth. And this was addressed to men. 
I mean, obviously it was addressed to the whole church, but you'll see here in a moment. It was addressed to the men of that church, this portion of Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 16, it says, Be watchful. Another translation will say, Be alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Everybody go, Ugh. Yeah, there you go. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and a, that other guy. A, you all try to say it however you want to say it. A, I could, well, that guy. Okay. Because they have made up for your absence. I love that. They've made up for your absence. For they refresh my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. Father, in the name of Jesus, over the next few minutes, speak from the throne of heaven into our hearts as men. Allow us to leave this place stirred to be more like you. Let us leave here encouraged and exhorted, not condemned, but Lord, inspired in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. amen. All right, you can have your seats. I love it on Father's Day, we get that manly amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So what we see here is four things. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. What those four things are, they're simple statements, but they're more than just that. What it is, Paul is calling Christian men to establish a foundation of masculine godliness. Here are four characteristics, Paul's saying, that I want you to walk in. These four characteristics are qualities of masculine godliness. Isn't that awesome? Masculine godliness. Now, if you're watching from home, men, this is for you. Ladies, if you're here, ladies at home, I'm not saying this isn't a word for you too, all right? When, we, when I finished, one of our, our, our staffer ladies, she, she was like, man, I took notes too. I'm, I'm just claiming some of these things for myself. Go right on ahead, girl, go ahead, all right? But this is really mainly for the guys in the house. This idea of masculine godliness, for some in this room today, it's a hard day. Because your relationship with your dad may have been one that was rough. You know, you, your dad may have showed you, when it comes to these qualities, more what not to be than what to be. And my heart goes out to you. I, I know for me, I had one dad, but two eras of my dad. My young life, where dad was hell on wheels. And then the Holy Spirit got a hold of my dad and changed his life. And then my dad became an amazing man that loved Jesus and our family and was loving and powerful. He'd still rip your head off if you needed it ripped off. Come on. He, he never did get so sanctified that he wasn't fierce, but he stopped the abuse and the ugliness and the violence. And, and man, my dad became somebody that I saw Jesus. I'm a pastor because I saw Jesus change my family because Jesus changed my dad. And I'm thankful. And you may be sitting here saying, that's great for you, pastor. I wish my dad would have changed. And maybe your dad didn't. But can I tell you right now, I challenge you that no matter how you were raised or what your child-father relationship was like, I want to challenge you to embrace these, these qualities of masculine godliness. And you'll be the man. You'll be the father that God is calling you to be. Amen? Amen? I believe it's in you. Don't, 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 don't go one more day saying, but my dad was this way, so I can't be that way. I'm sorry. You got an earthly dad, and then you got a heavenly father. Amen? 
And you're right, on your daddy's side in the earth, you're right. Maybe a rough coming up for you. But man, you got a heavenly father that fills you with his own Holy Spirit. And you can be all that he's called you to be in his army. Come on, somebody. You can be all that he's called you to be. These qualities of masculine godliness. And so I want to walk through them. The first one is be watchful. Some translations will say be alert. Some translations will say be on your guard. Other translations will say be vigilant. So all those things mean the same thing. Paul, he was giving the Corinthian Christian men this command in light of what the church was up against living in the Corinthian society. It was one of those things where these men had come to faith in Christ. Their life has changed. They're walking after God. And now they're starting to compromise. We've seen that before. People get saved. Man, it's like they get saved and everything changes. And then they get some believers that have been saved for a while. And the believers that have been saved for a while will say, well, now don't get too excited. Don't, don't get too, too holy. Don't get too sanctified. Don't get, it, God understands. It's okay. You can let down your guard. And you'll see these believers after a while, the church starts to corrupt them. You know, you know, how many seen that before? You know what I mean? I know like in junior high, man, I went to a public junior high school, very rough school, as rough as junior high could be. And, and, and man, I remember going to a Christian high school. And all I learned the first year at Christian high school is how to compromise. I couldn't compromise at public school. I'd been called out for it. Hypocrite, been called out. But I learned how to play the two-faced compromising game at Christian school. And it's like that. And that's what's going on. These are people who at one time were fiery hot, but now they're starting to compromise again with society around them. And idolatry that was so prevalent in the city of Corinth is starting to be in, ingrained back into these men and into the church. Immorality that not just was tolerated, but now the churchmen, they're starting to celebrate immorality. And Paul begins to speak. He says, no, 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 be watchful. Be on guard. Be vigilant. How many was in the military in here? Raise your hand, military people. Am I missing anybody? All right, first service had a ton of people. I'm missing some over here. Oh, right there you are. Yeah, Marine. Yeah, our board member Chance, a Marine. You know, and, 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 and you know, that, that century, that's what it's speaking of. It's a military metaphor describing those stationed as sentries or as sentinels to guard a camp and to observe the movements of the enemy. Can I tell you right now, the enemy is moving. He wants to take your heart. He wants to take your family. The enemy is moving, and we need to stay alert, stay vigilant. You are to guard against the evils of those who have come into the church that begin to oppose clear teachings of Scripture. You are to guard against those things and watch out for false doctrines and false teachers and things such as that. Not just on the outside, let's turn it inside. We're to be vigilant and guard our own hearts. As men, we're to guard against the corruption of our own souls and the soul of our family. Amen? But listen, listen, as men, you are to stay alert with that vigilance of a sentinel. And here's the thing. I think the enemy would love nothing more than to lull us into a stupor. The opposite of being vigilant is just being a stupor. And you know, I'll be honest, guys, work and the hours you put in, it can cause you to get into a stupor, you know? I know last week, um, Amy and I are going on, the, on a hike. We start on the trail tomorrow. So like 90 days, or 90 miles of just having to put up with, with, um, with, with her having to put up with me. 
see? So pray for my wife. <laughs> and pray we see bear. I always want to see a bear. I always pray for bears. But they, we talk too much to see bear. We talk the whole time we're on the trail. I know that's hard to believe. <clears throat> but, <laughs> but, man, I had like four days last week, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. It was, it was just crazy amount of time, amount of hours, just because I'm, I'm finishing stuff up so I can feel free to get out of here. And, and when Wednesday came, that morning I was working from the house, and I, I mean, I was in a stupor. It, have, you, have you ever, guys, you ever just got to that place where about noon and you're like, where are the last two, like I sat down at 10, had a cup of coffee, my brain started to drift, and I'm just like, I'm not vigilant. I just lost two hours, I, that doesn't happen to me. I just lost two hours of time. I don't know what happened to him, you know. It's because I just went, 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 went. That, that's what I'm talking about. The enemy would love for you just to let things go, let things go, let things go, and, and just fall into a stupor. It might be the stupor of the television, Stuff's happening all around you, but we're just in a stupor. The stupor of work all around you. The stupor of whatever it might be. But, but God's like, no, 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 you're a sentinel. You're supposed to be like a soldier standing guard. Stay alert with that same vigilance that is required of a sentinel who guards a camp lest an enemy comes in the night to attack while others are sleeping. That's what a sentinel does. And I'm telling you right now, we have an enemy that roars like a lion. He roams and he seeks to devour like a lion. But, man, we're going to be vigilant. Amen, man? We're going to watch out for those things, and we're not going to fall into a stupor. And I'm going to ask a question. And when I ask this, it's going to hit you right in the heart. There's going to be something that pops in your mind, all right? And maybe it won't. But if there's a need, the Holy Ghost is going to pop this in your mind, all right? And so here, have you allowed the enemy to enter your camp? Let that sit on you. Have you allowed the enemy to enter your camp? Pastor has. There's been things, there have been things, yeah. Just begin to think about that, all right? And just know God is calling us with masculine godliness to rise up and to be more watchful, more on guard, more vigilant. Amen? Now watch this. It says that we are to watch, but guess what? We don't just watch. That's kind of somewhat passive the second thing it says is now we're to stand firm in our faith. So we go from watching to standing, all right? That's a posture change. You can sit and be vigilant, but God's like, no, 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 no. This is too important just to sit on the job, y'all. This is too important for you not to get a full glimpse of everything. There's too much going down, y'all. You need to stand firm in the faith, amen? Can I just throw some things out, some statistics? At most churches, when it comes to men, on any given Sunday, almost 25% of married women that go to church will worship without their husbands. Now, if you're here and you're a lady today and your husband's at home, this isn't bringing condemnation to you. I'm saying that's the statistic, that, that's the standard, that's just what it is. At most churches. The typical U.S. congregation draws an adult crowd that's 61% female and 39% male. At most churches. But I'm here to tell you, thank you, Jesus. Momentum Church is not like most churches. Come on, somebody. I'm serious. That's exciting to me. Man, we, if you look around, men, look around this. There's a bunch of men in here. Most Sundays will have as many men, if not more men, than women. Isn't that awesome? Momentum Church forever has not. We started this church with that mindset that we wanted to reach men. And we've worked hard for that mindset. Why? Why did we do that? Because I read a book years ago, Wild at Heart, I think is what it was called, by John Eldridge. And in it, it said, if a man brings his kids to church, 80% of those children, they may leave for a season, 
but as adults, they'll return, and 80% of those kids will be in church as adults. Isn't that awesome? If a mama only, 20%. And so as a young man, and I'm fairly business-minded, I thought for the ROI of this, I'm not investing. I'm not, no. I, I, I'm going to spend my time reaching men because that's a better ROI. Amen? Amen? Not a woman. I said amen. <laughs> that was funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Our world has gone crazy, y'all. <clears throat> <laughs> and so, so yeah, no, so we've worked hard as a ministry through the years to reach, to reach men. And, um, <laughs> and so what was happening here, um, oops, I messed that up. What's happening here is we have a people, you know, I don't believe that is representative of momentum. I believe that as men here, we have a heart to stand firm in the faith, Amen. And so this challenge that was going out from Paul to the Corinthians, it was that they were beginning to mix their beliefs with pagan beliefs, their practices with pagan practices, and Paul was challenging them on it. And we have got to be people that are careful, that we stand firm in the faith, that we don't begin to mix a little world with a little faith, a little bit of the stuff of the world with a little bit of the things of God, that no, we don't do that. And here's the reason why. Because beliefs and practices will always stem from one's values. So what Paul's challenge to them was, y'all are having a value shift. It's not just that you're starting to have different beliefs and practices. Your values, what's important to you is starting to shift. And Paul's challenging them. Stand firm in the faith. Don't back down from the values that you once had. Don't back down from what you've always believed. Don't. Because if you back down from your values, your beliefs and practices will follow. Listen to it this way. When we stop valuing what God values, we will start stumbling instead of standing. Can I say that again? When we stop valuing what God values, we'll start stumbling instead of standing. The stumble starts when our values shift. What do you value? What's important to you? Pastor says, stand firm in the faith. Well, okay, I, I get that. What does that mean? Stand firm in the values that you have because the byproduct of your life will be those values. They will come out in your beliefs and your practices. Amen? But you can reverse engineer that. And you can look at practices and beliefs and go, yeah, I'm getting off. All right, well, then I need to shift that and get my heart lined back up with the heart and the values of God. The way Apostle Jude said, this is one of the disciples, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He said it this way, contend earnestly for the faith. I love that. Contend earnestly for the faith. That word contend means to deal with something difficult or unpleasant. So just, can I be honest? Sometimes as a dad, I don't want to deal with what's difficult and unpleasant. And sometimes as a pastor, I don't want to deal with the difficult and the unpleasant. You know? How, how many ever feel that way? Like, can we just go along to get along? Is it okay for us to do that? No, we're supposed to stand firm in our faith. Stand firm in truth. We are supposed to be people who contend for our faith. And if we contend with our faith, then there's some things we're going to deal with that are unpleasant. There's some things that in your home you're going to have to bring correction to. There's some things in your life that you're going to have to change. There's, we stand firm in the, the faith. Amen? I like to say also stand firm in the truth. Same idea. <clears throat> but listen, we don't just watch. We stand. And we don't just stand. We act. That's the next thing it says. 
And the, the third thing is this, act like men. Everybody say that, act like men. Wow. I, I, you know, I, I wasn't going to put this in my sermon. I didn't put this in the notes, but I'm, I went there in the first service. I'm going to go there again. So we're supposed to stand firm in the truth. And the next thing is to act like men. And something hit me. You, you know, we were actually going to make a men's shirt for our men's ministry, all right? And um, we weren't sure if our men's ministry should be called Mo Men or if that was the women's ministry name, Mo Men. <laughs> but that was a horrible joke. Just made that up. That was pretty funny. So, <clears throat> but we had that verse in mind and we even designed a T-shirt that had these things on it, you know, that had the whole be watchful, stand firm, act like men, and so on. And we decided to nix it. The reason why, because we thought, well, in-house, it makes sense. We see it. We understand it's a scripture. And it's just challenging us to rise up to, if you will, godly masculinity. Amen? But then we know the culture that we live in. Now, how would it be perceived by those outside the church? Exactly. So, so, so we nixed it, not because we're weak. We'll preach what we need to preach. You know, we have no mind problem offending those that need to be offended, if you will. But remember what I said yesterday, last Sunday, we're persecuted for his name's sake, not because of our agenda. Amen? For his agenda, the gospel's agenda. That's what the persecution comes from. It's not to be because I want to be a jerk, all right, and just stir things up. But something came in my mind when I was preparing this sermon a couple weeks ago. And I, I didn't put it in my notes, but I'm going I'm to speak to it. Is that okay? Act like men. Act like men. When I hear that, I think, how binary. So in other words, act like men means like, like, you, like the other side of it, you're not acting like a man. Well, that's just so binary. It's so either or. You either are or you're not acting like a man. Well, pff, how misogynistic. So as a woman, I can't live these principles too? Yes, you can. I can't live these principles too? Act like men. Who do you think you are? The keepers of the faith? Yes. No. All of us are. But it's, it sounds so misogynistic. Act like men. How patriarchal. And here's what began to hit me, all right? Do you know why this is so important for us to understand? Why there's an attack on the binary things in our world? Binary, one, two. That's it. You got a two, you got a one, you got a one, you got a two. You got a man, you got a woman, you got a woman, you got a man. You got right, you got wrong, you got wrong, you got right. You got truth, you got a lie. You got a lie, you got truth. If I can get the whole world to believe there's nothing binary and everything is gray and only finds its trueness in what you decide trueness is, only finds its trueness in what you as a community deem okay, then in that area of gray, there can be nothing binary. In that area of gray, there is no right, wrong, left, right, fact, fiction. Do you see what I'm saying? So when it comes down to it, this attack on those things that are binary, well, how do you see act like a man? Because God created man and God created woman, period. Amen? So 
if he, the enemy of our heart, can get us all to think that we can define whatever we want to define, however we choose to define it, and that it's unreasonable to use reason, unreasonable to look at things as right or left, up or down, this or that, it's unreasonable, then what else is unreasonable? Everything. It is unreasonable for you to have any matter-of-fact belief about anything. Do you see how insidious this lie from the enemy is? Now listen, I'm going to tell you right now. My heart goes out to those who struggle with gender identity. As a church, we have had people that we have loved deeply in this house that never left here other than because they moved. But they moved and they left. But before they moved, this was their house. We loved them. And I'll tell you what I did. When they said, my name is this, if somebody tells me my name is I was born Clinton, but I like to be called Bubba. Guess what? Out of respect I'm going to do, I'm going to call Clinton Bubba. Well, hey, Bubba. And if somebody who was born Bob, and they say, Ross, my name is Barbara. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to call him out of respect, Barbara. Now, before I get all y'all mad, because now all my people on the, on the left like, yeah. And my people on the right's like, ooh. All right? Now I'm going to go make my people on the left upset, okay? So I'm, I'm backwards. Where's the left? How many left? No, I'm teasing. So, <laughs> all right, you ready? So I am choosing to honor you. If that's what you want to be called, that's what I'm going to call you, okay? But I will not insult you by calling you something different, but I will not have my reason insulted by saying you're a her if you're a he or a she if you're a him. That's my reason. And I will tolerate what name you want to be called, but you have to tolerate my reason as well. Because I, and it's unreasonable and intolerable for you to demand something from me that my mind knows is black and white. I hate to use black and white as an example. You know what I'm trying to say. Male or female. Does that make sense? All right. Now, does that mean that we have a right to be ugly to people? No. Oh, heck no. We love people. We love broken people. We love hurt people. We love people that are, are, are gender confused and, and all those things. And I know this is a big sidebar to this sermon, but when I hit act like men, I thought, that's just so binary. And our world hates binary. And then my mind went, Why? God, why does our world hate things that are one way or the other? It's because if we can doubt that, the very essence of creation, a man and a woman, if we can come to a place where that is on the table for debate, nothing is sacred, nothing can be truth, nothing can be right or wrong. Amen? And where will that lead us as a world next? Only God knows. And I know that's not real popular for many, but that's where we're at. And I hope you can hear. I want to offend both sides. I do. Because I believe it's in that place of balance where we have compassion, but we hold fast. We stay firm in the faith. We have compassion, but we stand firm in the faith. And with boldness, we don't back down from what God's word says. That will not make us popular, but it will make us faithful. Amen. All right, so 
act like men. <laughs> I'm going to go on with the teachings, all right? All right. So you hear a lot about that idea of toxic masculinity in our day and age, right? And I want to say, yes, there are men who are toxic. There are men who are violent, abusive, and overly aggressive. And, and the thing with that, though, is not every man that is bold and powerful and not overtly aggressive is somebody that's masculine, is, is toxic, has toxic masculinity. But society is trying to throw all men under the bus when it comes to this. And that label of toxic masculinity is now being applied to everybody that's a man, right? Can I say this? Masculinity only becomes toxic when men do not lead as God intends them to lead. That's when it becomes toxic. But there's been a shift. There's been a feminization of the church, not just recent, but for the last 700 years. Dr. Leon Podles, the author of The Church Impotent, he said there's been a pattern of feminization in Christianity going back at least 700 years. Can I tell you right now, a farmer in the field, a, a blacksmith, a craftsman of some sort, do you think that man relates to the person wearing the flowing gowns and the velvet slippers and the beautiful cords? And the, I, I, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying there was a feminization of the church that started about 700 years ago. Amen? If you were holy, really holy, this is what you would look like. This is how you would dress. This is how you would act. And so you're so separate from the farmer in the field when the farmer in the field may have more faith than the man in the parish ever had. Amen? So this pattern happened. But, but the ball really got rolling, Dr. Leon says, back in the 1880s with the dawning of the Industrial Revolution. So large numbers of men, they left the farms and they went in to work at the mines in the factories and in the cities. They began to go do that. And in doing so, at the mills and such. And in doing so, they left church and family back home to tend to church. And so women stayed behind and began remaking the church in their Victorian image. And during the Victorian era, it saw the rise of church nurseries, Sunday schools, lay choirs, quilting circles. Because you know a, a quilting circle going to get somebody saved. Ladies' teas, soup kitchens, nothing that you are wrong. Girl societies. Now, Leon was jumping on a on a soapbox here. I'm not sure if I'm in agreement with him. Potluck dinners. I think, I think that's Jesus. I'm just saying. He was always eating, right? He was always eating. But still, potluck dinners, you know, all those kinds of, of things, something happened. The church started looking different. So the definition of a good Christian began to change from being bold and having aggression, you know, like being aggressive being bold and aggressive is out, and now it's being passive and receptive. That's it. Being Christians, you're supposed to be gentle and sensitive and nurturing. and Those are all good things, focused on the home and the family, all good things. But, but man, there was a time when men of God were aggressively pursuing the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not just trying to be good little boys and and I'm not giving you warrant to, to, to cuss like a sailor and smoke and drink. I'm not saying that, okay? 
But sometimes I feel like the gospel would be spread further by some cussing sailors loving Jesus and going after it. Um, if you're watching online and you're my superintendent in the Assemblies of God, I don't mean any of that exactly. <laughs> Dr. Merrill. <laughs> I'm just saying that, that we have feminized our spirituality. We're here and here. Act like men. When we planted Momentum Church years ago, I had two ladies. Oh, Pastor Ross, we get ready to go to the movie theater. You remember this, Sharla. Our very first public facility, you know, that we're going to go, not the coffee shop, but actually a theater. And, and oh, we've, we're going to, we got Crystal and we've got China. We're going to make the cafe so pretty. And we got gold on the China. It's going to be so pretty. And I'm just in my head, I'm thinking, I will smash it all. If they bring it, I will smash it. Now, I won't smash it. I'll walk with it and I'll trip accidentally. And then it will be smashed. Oh, look what I have done. <laughs> no, I told them, I said, look, I'm sorry, we can't do that. I said, we need metal. We need wood. We need leather. If we can serve coffee out of rawhide mugs, I'd let us, you know. And, but that was an early fight that we had to do, you know, to, to really push things, to, to be welcoming to men. And, and you may say it doesn't take all that. It does. It does. Now, I'll be honest, I overcorrected. For about five years, I overcorrected. Pastor Jared would say, I want to do this song, and it's all about putting your head on the heart of Jesus, the shoulder of Jesus. No, he's a 33-year-old man. I ain't laying my head on a 33-year-old man's chest. It was an overcorrection. I don't want to be caught in a cosmic kiss between heaven and earth. By my heavenly father, you know what I'm saying? Just saying. But it was an overcorrection. And in time, we begin to understand we need intimacy with God, and that does look different. And, 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 and we've, we've, we've fixed that a lot. Amen? I was at somebody's house, and I know this is going long. I was at somebody's house, and they showed me a video of the church they came from in another country where they used to live. And they're like, I wish our church was more like this. And they had all these men just, and they had like one man up front, all these women up front. And guys, believe me, we're a Pentecostal church. Dance all, dance all you want. Come on, somebody. You know, get on it. But they had all these people up front dancing. And, she, and, the, and the couple was like, we want this. We wish we had more of this. And the leader, I, in the first service I said the cheerleader. I meant to say the worship leader. But the, cheer, the worship leader was saying like, like, pull down strongholds, pull down strongholds, pull down strongholds, pull. And. All the people were pulling down strongholds, right? And then, and then he pushed back the waves, pushed back the walls, pushed back, and they're all pushing back. And, 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 but the thing is, and nothing wrong with it, I'm just saying, like one dude in this whole mix, and he, he's pulling down strong, he's pushing back stuff, you know? But they panned out, and they showed the audience, and there was all these men with their arms crossed. There's a man, there's a man, there's a man, there's a man. And man, the Spirit of the Lord hit me, and I said to the couple, I said, listen, I love that, and I believe sovereignly God's going to move in our church, and there'll be people dancing. But listen, do you see those guys with their arms crossed? That's who I'm called to reach. It's that man. Whatever I can do to get that man to start to open up, that's who I'm called to reach. And guys, listen, we've been reaching that kind of man for years. Come on, somebody. Amen? Amen. And yes, there's times when we will dance before the Lord. All I'm saying, it, there was just something about it. It was like, we're pulling down, we're pushing back. We're pulling down, we're pushing back. It was just like, come on. All right. 
And I'm not all about quasi-aggressiveness. Like, like, yes, God loved Esau, a hairy hunter, but he called Jacob to be Israel. He called Jacob, who loved his mama, loved to cook in the kitchen, had a soft heart, made a lot of mistakes. That's who he called to be the father of many nations. Amen? And so, so I, this isn't about a personality type. I, I'm kind of in the middle. I absolutely love the opera, and I love ballet. Not doing it, just watching it. I love it. I do. But I want to kill me some stuff, too, once in a while, you know. From the woods to my grill. I love, I love the concept of that, that I got to take something all the way from the woods. I butcher things myself, and then all the way to my grill, and I did it for my, <coughs> for my family. I know it would be a whole lot cheaper and time less consuming just to, yeah, but whatever. But listen, what I'm saying is this is more than aesthetics, all right? Listen, this value goes beyond aesthetics, not about what stuff looks like. The writer of the book of Hebrews shows that our faith should be one of aggressive action for the glory of God. In Hebrews, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies. Spies, men going in and spying out the land. That is freaking awesome. As they, as they received the spies with peace. Through faith many subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Quench the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned the flight the armies of aliens. I love it. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. That's fierce. And I don't know what it looks like to turn our men's groups into something fierce, but in a lot of ways, Mitch, myself, and you would agree with me on this, we have turned our men's groups into just a masculine version of female groups. Let's get together, sing a song. Let's get together and pour out our hearts. Let's get, man, I want to get together and do something and kill something in the spiritual realm. Amen. I don't know what that looks like. I'm just being honest. So I probably shouldn't say stuff that I don't have an answer to. I'm just stirring stuff up. I can stir it up. I'm going on the trail for the next nine days. I don't, y'all can deal with it. <laughs> but just, I mean, like, like that's fierce. Men don't need to just be nice, sweet, good little Christians. We're called to be dangerous warriors for God's kingdom. Come on. Amen? So we're not going to just watch. We're not going to just stand. We're not going to just act. Finally, we're going to just be strong. And what I mean by that is if you're married, keep your commitment and honor your vows made to your wife. Guys, listen, I know the grass is greener on the other side. I get that. But you get a little closer to that grass, you'll see it needs weeded too. Oh, yeah, nothing's perfect, but keep that commitment to your spouse. Be strong and honor the word of God. Keep your promises. Honor your own word, too. Keep your promises to your children. Keep, keep your commitments to your church family and to your friends. Be dedicated to serve and give sacrificially. I think that's a manly thing, serving and giving. That's a powerful manly thing. Listen to this. Be faithful to your employers. How many bosses do we have in here, business owners? A few. Man, don't you want your employers to be faithful? Yeah. We as employees, we need to be faithful as well. A Christian man should be a man that's always on time and over-delivers when it comes to his job. Amen? Not looking for the way to cheat the boss, cheat the, men, the, the business, cheat the... No, over-delivers. And one final thing when it comes to being strong. Be strong in your financial obligations. Pay your bills on time. 
Don't, don't, be careful with your credit debt. Pay those creditors off. Amen? All those kinds of things are so important. So that's the four things I see in masculine, in masculine um, um, qualities, masculine, godly, godly masculinity. And so be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And this week we had a man who went down and he lived this. And he went down, he died this week. Officer Joe Brunson from the Holly Springs Police Department. And um, if you don't know the story, he, he was killed on a traffic stop um, right up here, just a, just a few little, just a little bit away. And with that, man, he went to Revolution Church. Things I've read, good man, godly man, man of prayer, man that served. People knew where he stood with his family. People knew where he stood with Jesus. That's, that's the kind of person I want to be. That's why I wear this shirt today. We're, we're honoring first responders. We always do. As a ministry, a few years ago, I mean, probably three or four years ago, the Lord laid in our heart that we wanted to be supporters of first responders in our county, and we have become just that. In so many different ways, behind the scenes, we've paid for people to go to counseling. We've paid for re- people to go to retreats. We've, we've covered mortgage expenses for single sheriff's department people, just all sorts of ways. And here's just another way. We're selling these shirts for 25 bucks, And so, yeah, we've already bought them, but every dime of the $25, we're not saying just the profit, but every dime of the $25 will go to this family, to Mary Kate and to her family, okay, at the death of, of Joe, her husband. And... Um, and the thing that will do, one, it will obviously give them finances. But, two, it puts more of these shirts out there. Just letting our first responders know that Momentum Church, we support you. There's things I can't tell you about that we've done that's just behind the scenes you can't even share. And, man, I'm just so thankful. And they told us when we brought all of them in here, we brought all the sheriff, chief, captain, everybody in here a few years ago and had a session with them. And they told us it's going to take a while because people just don't trust. This is a group of people that don't trust. And it's been wonderful starting to earn their trust, the last, especially the last year. And usually when things go down, we're one of the first people they call so that we can help bring some support. Amen? So just, just know that's, that's part of our heart. But, but here's the thing. It goes on. I'm done. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 finishes after saying all those characteristics. It says, let all that you do be done in love. It's not toxic masculinity. It's all love for people and love for God. That's what... That's what Officer Brunson did. He laid his life down for his love for his community. Goes on and says, Now I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. They've devoted themselves to service. This is how love is lived out. Be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. Love is lived out as we serve, as we work. He goes, I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus. Because they have made up for your absence. Men, when we have these characteristics and we have love, we will make up for the absence, for the gaps in our community, for the gaps in this church. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Do you live in such a way that you're making up for someone else's absence? That's a heart of serving. In the first service, when I challenged, I talked about how those women, what 20% of women bringing their kids to church, how, how those women, you know, those kids don't come back to church when they're older. And I said this, I said, it's not that the women need to work harder. You know what? That mama that brings that child to church without the daddy, mama's rest. You do not have to work harder. The men of this church need to work harder. Amen? We need to look for opportunities to make up for that absence. And not just in that, in just different ways. And, and so are we living in that way that we can do that? 
in that way where we're present. Like people know those people are present. Those men are involved. And so I want to give recognition to two people as we close. Uh, sometimes you do for one that you wish you could do for all, or you do for a few what you wish you could do for everybody. But we chose this year to honor four people. In the first service, we honored um, Jeff Rourke, who has taken upon himself the adoption of his grandkids. Jeff's my age, a little bit older than me probably. And he adopted his two little grandboys. They're just four years old, twin boys, Ash and Jacks, amazing. And, man, he's just running, doing stuff with those kids all the time, kayaking, fishing, turning into little fishing machines. We honored him. We also honored a man that doesn't have kids yet, Alexander. He's a young man that just serves and serves and serves in this place day and night all the time, and we honored him. Because his absence will make a hole in this place. And Alexander will be leaving at the end of July. He's moving back with family in Nashville. We wanted to honor him. In this service, I want to honor Jim's story. Where are you, Jim? Come up here, Jim. So I do believe you're a man, Jim, that has lived these qualities. And I want to give you this. Amen. It's a little bit girly, but it's beef jerky. So it's beef jerky. It's not. I want to buy the beef jerky too. So, but here's Jim's story: military, just serviceman, all those things, you know. But guess what he does for. A few years now, five years, four years, week after week after week after week, he serves the elementary ministry of this church. And it's just amazing how he pours in with kids like my son, Maverick. That's a, that's, you had more hair a few years ago. Like, Maverick's a lot of work. And I just thank you so much. Amen. It's true. But, but Jim is just the kind of guy like I'm speaking of. And he just serves and serves and serves. So thank you, Jim, so much. And... Um, Because it says here we're supposed to rejoice, and it says here we're supposed to give recognition to such people. And the final one is a young man that I've just been watching grow in the Lord so much. And you, you don't see him a whole lot of times because he's behind the scenes running the show right now, you know, the production stuff. And so Evan Roberts, um, I'm going to have Mitch take this back to Evan. So Evan's behind the scenes running production stuff back in the um, production room. And Evan, I'm just proud of you, man. He's just a young man, came to faith in Christ last, about a year and a half, two years ago, and just has grown so much in the Lord, him and his wife, and, um, and I know they don't have children yet, but anything there is, he's making a difference in serving. So I just want to challenge us as men. There's different ways you can father. There's different ways you can serve. You know, you have kids that are yours, but serving these kids in this ministry, man, it's just a powerful, powerful thing that you can do. And so I want to pray, and, um, and then we'll close. Father, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for the men I get to serve, and Lord God, I, I ask that in each of our lives, that we'd be those that'd be vigilant, that we'd stand firm, that we'd act like men, and that, Father God, with everything that we have, we would just be able to go forward as strong men of God in the service of you, for the glory of you, and for the good of people. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.